0: Well, good morning. good morning. Welcome to West Meadows, and Happy New Year to all of you. Those who are joining us on-site, and those also who are joining us online. Today, we are starting a new series to go with a new year. And I, I think the topic, are, there we go, thank you. Thank you for bringing the energy with us today. <laughs> I hope that will be contagious sweeping this way across while I preach. <laughs> the the uh, this topic we're going to be having this week, I think, is a really important one for us as we begin this new year. We're going to be talking about rhythms of life. Now, if we're going to talk about rhythms of life, it it kind of presumes that these rhythms I'm going to be talking to you about are going to be slightly different than perhaps old rhythms or maybe some current rhythms that you find yourself in. And, And I happen to think you'll probably agree with me on this is that if we look at the rhythms of life, the, the ways that we've interacted with one another, the ways we've interacted with our world over the past couple of years, has been constantly changing. Is that just stating the obvious <laughs> to begin with? For sure. And, and here's the thing about change. Change is absolutely inevitable. We cannot escape change, but there's a big problem with change. Even people who enjoy change and embrace change, there's a challenge that goes with it. It's this. It's that it's hard to find familiar routines, in the midst of it. And the reality is, is that we were not created to live in a constant world of chaos. All of us know what happens when we live in chaos for too long. We've all experienced, we all know the negative effect it has upon us as holistic beings in this world. Physically, chaos affects us where we have increased stress levels, where we can become very wearisome in the world emotionally you may have an increased people hearing people say that they are frustrated or as we talked about this Christmas season as we're trying to focus upon hope because there is an increased amount of hopelessness that exists in people in the world around us but not just physically not just emotionally also spiritually it impacts people when we live in a world of chaos and maybe you've experienced this too in the last couple years where you just spiritually feel a little weary. It feels like your spiritual sponge has gone dry and you just long for something to pour some water and soak that in again. When we look at the Bible... When we look at God's work from cover to cover in the Bible, and when we look at his, the way that he works and creates, whether we're talking about the creation of matter, of people, even creating the pathway to salvation, what we find is that time and time again, the way that God works, the way that he creates is a move from chaos to order. And we are created in the image of God. And so when our lives turn back towards chaos, it creates a dissonance within us. Even people who are not people of faith or don't consider themselves overly religious still feel this dissonance within them. If you've been feeling that the last little while, if you've if you said to somebody, you know, I'm just kind of out of sorts, or maybe somebody has said to you that you seem a little on edge, or you, you, you seem a little down, it could very well be this very dissonance that's leading to that situation, because we've all been created to have rhythms of life. Rhythms that bring order and stability and can be replenishing to our lives. And so as we kick off 2022, I want to help you. I want to help myself establish or maybe regain some healthy rhythms to our lives. And so that we can find a source of these rhythms in Jesus Christ. So that you too can experience his never-changing love in our ever-changing world. And so I want to begin today with the rhythm of listening to God. Now there's this well-known saying in the Bible, you've probably heard it, and you probably maybe don't know exactly the references for it, but you've probably heard it before. It's in the Old Testament, and it's in the New Testament, to the words of Jesus himself. He said this, Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Let anyone who has ears to hear, Listen. And now what Jesus is speaking of in this verse, in these passages in the Old Testament and what Jesus quotes in the New Testament, goes beyond just physical ears. It goes beyond physical hearing. He's speaking about this deeper ability to hear a voice and to understand the meaning behind that voice. And this is not unfamiliar to us. Lots of research, for example, has been done into uh, babies and mothers. And I remember this one report that I read about crying babies when parents are sleeping. And, and they took a, a bunch of babies and a bunch of moms, and they put them both to sleep. Put them to sleep. They let them fall asleep. That sounds terrible. They put them to sleep. It was a very short survey. they, 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 They let them fall asleep. And then, you know, naturally babies will cry in the night. And they kind of tracked, you know, how quickly did the moms wake up, how quickly did the dads wake up, and which ones. And what they found was fascinating was that, you know, this is no surprise, the moms woke up faster than the dads did. But actually the mom associated with the crying baby would wake up sooner, respond sooner, and know almost instinctively that that was her baby that she had to go and take care of. There was this familiarity with the voice, that she was wired to hear that voice, to know behind that voice that there was a need that she needed to step forward, move towards, and meet, and that she was wired for that. The dads weren't wired to it. Guys, we come across this honestly. <laughs> Sometimes we get some heat for it, but actually the research has proven that we come across it honestly, that the moms are more wired to wake up than the dads are. The research did find, however, what dads are wired to wake up to. Do you know what it is? It's the elbow, right? The the air turn, that they're wired to wake up to the elbow. So, if you're wondering, moms, how do you get the dad to go? It's the elbow that they're wired to respond to. But we also see this when, let's say, for example, a friend calls us on the phone. We answer it, hello. They simply respond, hello, as well. And that one word, the voice, The tone, the way that it's spoken, even if we haven't spoken for a long time, that voice we just know behind it is memories and emotions and experiences that come flooding back in the moment of hearing that voice. Does that make sense? We've experienced these things, right? Well, this is more of what Jesus is speaking of. What's more of what he's referring to when he says, If you have ears to hear, listen. He's talking about this ability to develop this ability, this desire to hear the voice of God in that fashion, to distinguish it from the noises of the world, from the other voices of the world that seek to influence you, to hear the voice of God above the other voices that seek to direct your life in a different direction, to hear the voice of God to the point where you can build a relationship with him, to hear his voice where you come to know him, to trust him, to love him, to desire to follow him the days of your life. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And they follow me. Do you believe that you can hear the voice of God? Do you believe that he knows you? And that he wants to speak to you? Because here's what I believe. I believe that God loves to speak to people who are listening for him. He loves to speak to those who are listening for him. And today, I want to help you to see the importance and the power of having a regular rhythm of listening to God. And the way we're going to do that is I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles with you, feel free to turn there, 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you want to follow along in a pew Bible, in front of you, you'll find it on page 215. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, I just want to give a bit of background. Here we find a story of one of Israel's greatest prophets, a man named Samuel, who would one day powerfully deliver messages of God to the entire nation. But first, he himself had to learn how to listen to God. Now, when we meet Samuel in 1 Samuel, He's about 12 years old, and he's living in the temple in Shiloh. He's been there since he was about two years old. And for, for that whole time, he has been serving God under the tutelage of the priest, Eli. But even right after the beginning, right in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 3, we get a glimpse into the state of things in this time. It says here, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, which I just mentioned to you. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. The word of the Lord was rare. That either means God wasn't talking, the people weren't listening, or maybe a combination of both. And if we look at the books and the stories that come prior to 1 Samuel chapter 3, here's what we discover. We discover that it had been a long time since the people had really, truly sought the word of God. It had been a long time since they truly attributed any sort of value to God to seek after his word, to value what he had to say. And here's the reality of it, folks. I think we relate to this as well. If no one's interested in what you have to say, well, what do you do? If you're in a group of people who are talking about some aspect of life that that you had an ability to relate to, maybe even that you had experienced and had some voice of wisdom to speak into the conversation, and so you try to add to the conversation. And as you do so, they just kind of stare blankly at you for a minute and skip over your comments and resume their conversation and kind of ignore you completely. How many times are you going to try and keep adding to the conversation? How many times are you going to keep trying to talk before you just decide to remain silent? And simply wait until they're ready to hear you. Well, God chose to, broke, to break the silence as we continue reading in verse 2 through 7. One night, Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, well, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go back and lay down. So he went back and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. So Samuel got up and went back to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back to bed and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The priest Eli would have been sleeping in his chambers. He would have had a, like a bedroom proper that he'd be sleeping in. Samuel, who was there to work and serve in the temple, would have been dozing, kind of half sleeping in the temple, still tending to the elements of the temple, such as the lamp, which was not allowed to go out until morning. And so this would all be taking place for Samuel in, a whole, in the holy place of the temple, where the ark of God was. The ark that was constructed under the the guidance of God through Moses and the nation of Israel as they wandered the wilderness, it contained the tablets of the Ten Commandments, a a, a jar of manna, Aaron's staff, these these examples of the past provision and presence of God amongst his people. And and the ark was where, where God was presiding amongst his people. It was the presence of God. That's where Samuel was serving. And he hears his name called Samuel. Naturally assumes that Eli is calling him, because who else could it be? And so he runs to Eli, and, and any parent can probably, you know, uh, relate to what Eli experiences being woken up at three o'clock in the morning, where you're sound asleep, and then he feels a little tug on your toe, and you open up and there's a small figure just staring at you in the dark. "I can't sleep. I'm thirsty." I heard a scary noise. Really to those? My favorite. I don't feel good as they proceed to throw up all over the carpet and you find yourself at 3 in the morning cleaning carpets. Yeah, that's parenthood, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, but Eli responds the same way you'd expect any parent to respond. Go back to bed. I'm sleeping. Well, the frustration on both of them, Samuel would have been frustrated because he knows he heard something. Eli is frustrated because he's woken from a dead sleep and knows he didn't call him. But their frustration is continuing to grow. It only grows even more when this happens a second time. But then we come to a critical verse that reveals the problem. It reveals the source of the frustration in verse 7. Where it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. Is that surprising to anyone else? He spent the better part of a decade serving in the temple. Alongside the ark. Being trained by Eli the priest He had been taught how to clean the temple. He'd been taught how to keep the lamps lit. How to prepare the sacrifices that people bring in. How to serve the people when they come to worship God. He'd been taught all these things. He's being mentored by the priest to one day become the spiritual leader of the nation. And he does not know God. He doesn't know how to listen to the voice of God. Don't miss the significance of this. Because it explains why so many people, I believe, need a rhythm of listening to God even today. Because it is possible for us to be busy for God. It is possible to be around the things of God, but still never actually know God. Because Eli had not revealed the Lord to Samuel. But God in this story is making himself known to Samuel. So we continue reading from verses 8 through 10. A third time, the Lord called Samuel, and so Samuel got up, probably a little more sheepishly this time, and he went in to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, and so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. In verse 10, the Lord came and stood there, calling as he had the other times. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant is listening. Isn't it good news that God knows your name? You know what? God knows your name. And that even if you have been struggling in the past to hear the voice of God, God knows your name and keeps calling. He wants to speak to you. He wants to build a relationship with you. He wants to reveal a word for you and for your life. And if you want to have one with him, if you want to know him, we can respond as Samuel did in verse 10. Speak, for your servant is listening. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe that that can be true for you? That like Samuel, you too can learn to listen for God's voice. And when he speaks, it will happen in a variety of ways. As I was considering this story and this, uh, the way that's been revealed in my own journey, I, you know, I don't have time to go to all sorts of different stories, but I was thinking about different ways that God has spoken to me in my life. And I thought about you know, one of the primary, one of the first ways that God has spoken to me, is, is through other godly people who had learned to hear his voice. And, and they were able to, through word and through deed, reveal to me and share with me the good news about the grace, truth, and love of Jesus Christ. Kind of like Eli should have done with Samuel. Other seasons of my life, and these, these are limited times, only a few times, but there are times in my life, two in particular I can recall, where God spoke to me directly. And what I mean by that is it was an inner voice that was louder than audible. It was an inner voice that was so convicting, so true that there has never been a single second of my life where I had any doubt of what the source of that voice was. Kind of like Samuel experienced in this story. But there's another way. There's another way that God speaks regularly to people. And it's the way that we want to focus on today where we can invest and develop a rhythm of listening around. And I want to invite you to explore that with me for the rest of the time we have today. And the first step to that begins with what I was just talking about. Is number one, we have to believe, first of all, that the God of the Bible wants to speak to you. Now there are some who will question the truth of that statement. There are others who will just immediately embrace it. But mixed into both of those groups, there will be people who, who will think that, that maybe God wants to speak, but it's this puzzle that has to be solved in order for me to actually hear. As though we're required to perhaps say the right words as, a, as sort of an incantation to get God's attention. Or perhaps there's a, a certain prayer position, like I, I've been trying this one. I didn't have any better results, but I was trying different prayer positions. But some people think there's a different position. As we teach our kids, close your eyes, fold your hands, right? Good things to learn, but that doesn't make God any more keen to listen to us. That just makes the kids more still, which is, which is a good thing to have. Some people think we need to discern hidden signs. And perhaps once we're perfect enough, then God will, you know, come speak to us. Samuel probably would have counted himself amongst the camp of the doubters, if we had asked him in that time and place before God spoke to him. But please understand this. The lack of hearing does not mean that God has a lack of a voice. The lack of hearing does not mean that God has a lack of desire, because I believe that our Heavenly Father loves to speak to his children, that he wants to be heard, and he wants to grow that relationship with you through hearing. And the primary way, the most important way, that that is available to all of us right now, is through Scripture. Through the word of God. It's called the word of God that you may be holding in your very hands right now. And the word of God is one way that God speaks to us and it may have even been happening in the past little while while you've been in this service because anytime you open your Bible and read it, you're reading the word of God. Anytime that you're listening to worship songs based upon scripture that proclaim theology about God, you are hearing the word. Anytime that you are present for a Bible-based sermon, when the Bible is being preached, you are hearing the word proclaimed. And in all of these situations, there's an opportunity for a stirring to start happening within you. Have you felt that before? When you hear a song, you hear a sermon, you hear a verse, and there's a stirring that happens within you. This is, this is part of the, the reality of what we can experience based upon what's, what, what Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where he says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for all and every good work. All scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, the parts you like and the long genealogies you skip over, right? all scripture, when it is heard, when it is read, it is proclaiming the truth of God because it is the God's breath. It's, it is God-breathed. Now, it may have been written through human effort and in human style, but through a Holy Spirit-guided process, which means that when we hear it, when it is proclaimed, when we read it, we are hearing the voice of God speaking through it for the purpose of equipping us, which means that it speaks to you. It speaks to you so that it can teach so that it can guide, so that it can correct in the right way of living in relationship with God and with others in the world around us. And as you consider the truth of this verse, if, if one of your New Year's resolutions is to memorize Scripture this year, this has to be on the list. This is a critical verse that we find in the Bible. And as you consider how amazing what this verse is saying to us, just consider for a minute how amazing this is, that your Bible The Bible that you may be holding in your hand right now. The Bible that you may have on a shelf at home. The Bible that you have downloaded onto your phone. Your Bible is the voice of God. And it speaks. And as it speaks, it wants to equip you. Martin Luther, the reformer, said this of his Bible. He said, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet, it runs after me. It has hands, it lays hold of me. It has eyes, it is the book that reads me. I don't read it, it reads me. Can you see the importance? Can you see the power of finding a way to develop a rhythm of listening to God's voice in your life? Can you see that? Because developing this rhythm of listening to God begins with the belief that God of the Bible, wants to speak to you. Believe that he wants to speak to you. Without that belief, you will remain in a place where the word of the Lord is rare, as Samuel experienced in his time. But once you can see the importance and the power of this, you'll then have the stirring, this motivation to do the second thing, which is to choose to get into the word. And I truly hope that at very bare minimum, That as I've been talking about this in the last few minutes, you can already hear a bit of an internal dialogue happening for you that says, yeah, that would be a good idea. At the bare minimum, I I hope something within you that goes, this would be good for you. And if that's taking place, I just want to wholeheartedly encourage you to hold tight to that thought. Don't allow it to escape. You know why? Because in a couple of minutes, you're going to walk out of church. In a couple of minutes, you're going to log off of West Meadows at home. And you are going to face the biggest enemy to success in this area. You know what it There They're noises and voices that will start to speak. I don't mean about about other people and kids whining and crying. I'm talking about about your schedules, how busy we are. I'm talking about your worries about 2022. Your to-do list before we go back to work and school in a few days. The opinions that we see amongst our community, the the words that we hear on media. These are the enemies. These are the things that all threaten to drown out, all threaten to distract us, all want to be louder than the voice of God in your life. And if they're able to do so, then your time in the Word will probably go back to how maybe it's been in the past, limited to simply a few random memes on social media. Sometimes I like those. Some of them are enjoyable. Some some are inspiring. Some of those memes on social media even can be witty. Like, like for example, this one, based upon Psalm 141, right? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips, (laughs) right? (laughs) Some of these are witty. And I show you that, not just because it's funny, but because it's not devoid of truth, right? You may be able to better understand and memorize that verse now having seen that. So it's not completely devoid of purpose, Here's what I want you to understand. If if, if that on your social media is the sum total of your time in the Word, it's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. If you desire to clearly hear the Word of God for you, these might be fun and witty and of some value, but it's not going to cut it. If you want to truly develop a rhythm of listening amidst the voices of the world, We need to be very intentional about it. And we need to intentionally get our space and our place in the Word. Now, if you've been around West Meadows for a while, you're probably familiar with that phrase, space and place. If you're newer, over the past few months, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our strategy for getting into the Word of God, to have a space and a place. I want to pack that for you. Actually, over the break, I was in the Word of God myself, doing, doing my own time of devotions. And something was revealed to me, a, a familiar verse that I came across. And as I was reflecting upon my message and upon this verse, it, you know, we could say that God spoke to me through that and showed me a new way to actually apply this principle to live out a very famous, popular verse. And let me share that with you. You see, when the word gets loud, when the world gets busy and stressful, there's a verse in Psalm 46.10 that a lot of people find comfort in. It says, be still and know that I am God. And one way that we can achieve this, we can live out this verse, not just say the words, but actually experience this verse, is having a rhythm of listening to God in our space and place. I'll pack that for you. This phrase, be still, it it, it means stop. But it it also, more more accurately, is more a sense of let go. Because when it says be still, it's not talking about a lack of activity. It's speaking more specifically about, about stop trying on your own. Cease striving on your own. And instead, it's this invitation. Instead, it's this invitation to make space in your schedule, to make space in your world where you meet with God. And when you make space in your world, in your life, in your schedule, in your home, when you make space for God from all the busyness, from all the noise of the world, from all the striving that we do on our own, when we make space, we find this, this quiet presence. This quiet presence where we can be still. Where we can be still. And where we can come to know God, come to hear his voice in the quiet presence where we can grow in our trust and our knowledge of him and where we can begin to discover our place in his story and in his will for your life, for your challenges, and for the future. Be still. Find that space. Know God so that you know your place in his story. Now what that looks like for you it's going to be unique. It's going to be different than what it looks like for the person sitting next to you. It's different than what it looks like for me. But to give you a bit of an example, I just want to share with you what it looks like in my life. Now, my space, for example, begins in the morning. It has to begin in the morning. It's the first appointment of my day. And I have to make it there because I have to have this quiet time before the voices of email. Before the voices of the to-do list, before the voices of the needs of other people start to consume my entire day, before those voices get too loud, I need to get quiet in my space with God. And one space that I use for that, uh, there's two of them I'm going to mention, one of them is actually at the gym. Now, here's, here's where I use that. Now, if you ever encounter me at the gym, I'm not being rude or overly antisocial. It's just I've got my headphones in, and I am zeroed in, and I'm just in my own space because I'm listening to sermons. I'm listening to the audio Bible while I'm doing these things. And the staff will attest that, that when I'm at the gym, I'm, you know, I'll pop off notes like crazy. Sermon notes and illustrations and all sorts of... Out- I've outlined entire sermons at, at one gym session. Because it feels like God is just speaking as I'm in this space of listening to these sermons in this time that I put aside for just me and him. But that's not enough. Because I'm just listening and i kind of doing another activity with it. So I have a second space. And that space is there's a specific chair in my office. And there's a little side table. There's a cup of tea that I'll make, and I get my reading glasses, and I open my Bible to my Bible reading plan. And I'll do these. It's not like I go to the gym and have a sermon, so I don't do this one. No, they both exist in my life, and I will read my Bible reading plan. And that is where I find my place, in my iPad, on my reading plan for my U version Bible. And I look back over the history and prep for the sermon. I have history of the last five years of reading plans I've done. Three of the past five years I've read through the entire Bible through a specific plan. One was chronological, one was in order, one was a little more thematic as it moved around. The other two years, it was made up of different reading plans that were topical, and some were kind of deep dives into specific books. But I had this ongoing time in my chair with my little table, my cup of tea, my reading glasses, and I would sit there and I would read God's Word. And folks, we live in a time, an amazing time, where there is so much access to this stuff. like like regardless of what stage of spiritual development you're in, where you feel like you're at, what season of life you might be going through, what version of Bible you prefer, it has never been easier to access this stuff. And so as you consider, and, and I want to encourage you again to consider, what does it look like to create a space and a place in your life? I want to give you three resources right here, right now, that are available to you this very minute. Number one is through the Pew Portal. Did you know that our Pew Portal has a plan? There's another P we can throw in there. If you open the Pew portal, go to the sermon notes. There is a Bible reading plan I've included in there. Every single week, there's a Bible reading plan included as part of the notes. You can simply open that up and find a Bible reading plan right now. Sign up for it. You'll be done before you go home. You can just start reading, it'll send you reminders every single day. You can go and download the U Version Bible, which has been downloaded, I think it's over a billion times now. I think they've, they've whatever they number. Massive, maybe it's 500 million. But it's the biggest app that's been downloaded. It's free. Whatever version you like, if you want to listen to the Bible, you want to read the Bible, it's completely 100% free. And the third option you can do is reach out your hand and you'll see a Bible in front of you. That is the one thing you're allowed to steal from the church. Take it home. (laughs) We will not be upset. Take that Bible home with you. We cannot resource you any better than putting it literally in your hands. Take it home. we got a box more in the back. We'll, we'll, We'll fill the pews before next Sunday. Just take it home with you. It has never been easier. See, folks, it is not a question of how to build this rhythm into your life. It's not a question of how to build it. It's simply a question of will you choose to build it into your life. Because it's not a question if God wants to talk to you. It's not a question of access. You may literally have the access in the palm of your hand right now. It is simply a question of will you put the access and the voice of God together into one. And if you believe that the God of the Bible wants to speak to you, you can then go and find your unique space and place and be still and come to know that he is your God. And then you'll be able to speak the words that Samuel spoke in verse 10 when he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And just before we close here, I want to touch on one more very, very quick thing. One word that is easily overlooked in that verse Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. A key word I want to touch on before we're done today, which is the word servant. What is a servant? A servant is one who does their master's will. See, a servant does not only listen to God. A servant does what he says. To do otherwise would be to demonstrate that either you don't trust God or that you're choosing to live in willful rebellion to what you've heard him say. James 1, through 24 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his own face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and completely forgets what he even looks like. When you look at yourself in the mirror, it reveals many things, doesn't it? So you get those magnifying mirrors? It reveals all sorts of things, that you see. But here's the importance of that. When you see these things, when it reveals these things, it makes you, something inside you wants to act upon these things, doesn't it? Like, can you ever imagine a young guy walking by a mirror and not flexing? It just, it just doesn't happen. It's impossible, right? But, but seriously, if you walk by a mirror and you see that you have a crumb on your cheek, you're, you're going to wipe it off. If you see you have food in your teeth, you're going you're gonna to deal with that. If you have a hair that's, like, poking out here, are probably going to pluck it out. If you have a pimple, you better pop it or your girlfriend will, right? Like, <laughs> no, don't pop each other's pimples. <laughs> but the point is, when we see these things, it doesn't just reveal things to us. It compels us to action. And so James is saying here in this passage, he's comparing it looking at ourselves in the mirror to looking at ourselves through the word of God. And that when something is revealed to us, when God reveals something to us through his word, we can't just walk away and ignore it. We need to act upon it. We need to apply it. We need to change whatever is being drawn to our attention. We need to do it. So when God says forgive that person, we need to take steps to go forgive. When God says, I want you to love that person who is different than you, we press into that world and that relationship and try to love them as Christ does. When God sees an area of our lives that is out of control with sinfulness and he says, stop. We need to find a way to stop. When something in the word says, I want you to give with vibrant faith. We give. And when he says, serve and go, we go. Our answer is, speak Lord, for your servant is listening to you. And I'm not just listening, but I'm doing It will not always be easy. It will not always be successful. But we will continue to grow if we persevere in trying to establish this rhythm. We will grow in our relationship with Christ over time. And we will come to find the peace and the comfort and the vitality of having this rhythm of listening to God. And so I want to conclude right now just where we began, With Samuel. Who had to learn how to listen to God. And as he did, it shaped his entire life. And then we read this in verse 19 through 21 of Chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And the Lord continued to reveal himself to Samuel through his word. Samuel continued to listen to God. He continued to apply what he heard to his own life and to the lives of the people around him. He encouraged Samuel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Samuel applied these things to his own life into the lives of those all around him. And so I want to encourage you to build this rhythm of listening to God into your life. It begins by, number one, believing that God wants to speak to you. Do not allow the word of the Lord to be rare in your life. Number two, to get back into the word as we start 2022 so that you too can be still and know God by committing to your space and place. And then finally, expect to hear from God. And when you do, when he speaks, do not just be listeners of the word, but be doers of the word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your word come down to us that is available to us. God, we, God I just want to pause here and actually pray for those in the world who do not have access. We take for granted the access that we have to the word. God, there are those in this world who, when they receive even a single page of the Bible they celebrate and dance for joy. Oh, Lord, may we not take for granted the beautiful gift and access that we have. God, may we not be content with having a Bible on the shelf, but may we have a Bible in our hand. May we have the words of that in our heart and our minds and lived out through our words. God, I pray for us as a congregation that as we go into this year ahead, that we would do so of those who are lovers of the word, who are seeking to be still in your presence and to know you as our God like never before. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.